We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. KC Laboratory, sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's a live Monday edition of the KC Laboratory, presented by Emprise Bank. When was the last time you went into a bank? Now more than ever, who you're doing business with is more important than where they're located. Emprise is a trusted company with mobile tools that take your banking beyond the borders of whatever city you live in. Emprise Bank, member FDIC, our partners in Possible here at KC Sports Network been wonderful work with them and if you have any baking needs you should too uh maddie lane find him on twitter at maddie underscore kcsn hi killer transition craig find him a barley hop on twitter how you doing bud hey i'm doing great guys let's get to football the chiefs had some news today <laughs> yeah, yeah let's not get right football. to that exciting news let's not jump into that. yeah this is great uh what a great Yikes. start yeah um yeah there's there's some news i think we wanted to kind of touch on right off the top because it happened uh today willie gay has been suspended for the next four games uh as part of the personal conduct policy stemming from an incident i, I believe in january um so the chiefs are going to be without uh a linebacker that's made some big splash plays some big strides in the last uh it, it, this season uh initial thoughts when you first heard the news matthew uh I'm not even going to touch on all of it from off the field. Like, sure. right? like there's no need to that. It is what it is. He's gone. He has decided he's not going to appeal. It's four games. So first thought was, I don't know how long the chiefs and maybe knew this was coming. Cause I don't know if they necessarily did a lot to plan on this. I think it's kind of crazy that the anticipated backup and Elijah Lee would even be flirting with being waived on the initial 53 man roster. If they knew this was coming, like, no matter what, that's a risk that just doesn't need to be taken if you know it's coming. So I wonder if it at least caught the Chiefs slightly off guard upon how long it was going to be 
and the fact that it was coming down. Um, this hurts. Willie Gay is looking like he's acting like he's finally, and I don't want to say he's been in the league forever, but he's like, he's finally really turning that corner. You do see improvement in all facets of his game. And now to have him lose some more time, thankfully it's not to an injury this time. I believe, you know, he should still be able to stay in shape and stay on top of stuff, but it just, it stinks to see a guy starting to round that corner, finally get ready to take that big step and then have to lose a chunk of his season. It's another year now where Willie Gay Jr. is going to be kind of questionable. I mean, he played in all 16 his, his rookie year, but obviously a rookie. They didn't trust him to be out there on the field a ton. He got kind of hurt towards the end of the year. Last year, he gets hurt for a little stretch. Now there's a suspension. It's just one of those things. It's like, you know, the best availability or the best ability is availability. And if he's not available, that just sucks. It's, it's hard to plan your defense around a guy, even as impactful as as Willie Gay Jr. is. I mean, he's flying around. He's taken away throwing lanes. He has been everything in coverage at the second level for the Chiefs to start this season. I know he's had a few missed tackles here and there, but in coverage, he has been lights out for large portions of the year so far. He is a major reason why the Chiefs won that Chargers game, even with the missed tackles taking stuff away had the blitz force the interception jumps another pass but even with all that stuff it's all that stuff behind the scene that you're not seeing some of that hot route stuff that they're trying to hit quick you know justin herbert's a dot is so low in that game and willie gay is sitting in the throwing lanes and he's able to get into these places so it is going to be a major miss for this Chiefs defense. It's not just because, you know, he's they're playing against the Bucks and the Bills coming up here. It's in general. They were doing so much stuff with him that it's really going to be something that hurts this team. I kind of felt like him and Nick Bolton kind of had a good thing going a little bit here too. I think that they were playing well in tandem with each other and that kind of chemistry goes away a little bit. In <laughs> retrospect, looking back at it, uh the the one <laughs> I obviously like it's 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 a it's an undrafted free agent linebacker, but the Chiefs like signed Jack Conklin to their active roster on like Wednesday, and I feel like that might have been a response to this, um, for special teams purposes, for linebacker depth period. Just you know, I think this there's adding more linebacker depth to your active roster probably makes a little bit of sense. Why you know, like I I think that in retrospect, I was kind of surprised. I was like. I wondered if this was one of those situations where like another team was sniffing around Jack Conklin looked at sign him to the active roster. But now I kind of think more so it's like it's it's probably that they just needed to add additional depth, you know, to the active roster because they were, you know, trying to, you know, solve the 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 Willie Gay problem. Um, and I think we all thought it was weird when they did that going yeah. up against the Chargers to add an extra <laughs> linebacker. And that very well, I mean, that very well may be the case. It's just, it doesn't seem to me that they would have known before the Arizona game because it's not, they didn't do a good job of working in anybody in Willie's place, even once that game was out of hand. It wasn't until it was the wholesale second team that you got mm -hmm. backup linebacker reps. So I don't, I just don't see how they could have known going into that and then not given Elijah Lee or Leo Chanel more reps at the first team if they knew what was coming. So yeah, maybe they did find out this past week. And that goes to your point that that's why they went ahead and signed, you know, Cochran at that point. Uh, do, I do agree. I was going to say, yeah. do us a favor, hit the like and hit the subscribe button. If you're watching this, uh, it makes Craig Stout smile big time. It does. Uh, it you does. Know when I see the counter go up, it, it makes me smile. 
It does. It makes them smile big time. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Leave a comment. All that good stuff. You know what else makes uh, Craig Stout smile? Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is officially live in Kansas. Just in time for football season. That means betting legally on same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, and more anytime and anywhere across the Sunflower State. To celebrate, DraftKings is giving new Kansas customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on $200 in free bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KCSN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on anything. That's code KCSN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Eligibility restrictions apply. Bonus issued as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Moneyline bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms at DraftKings.com slash Kansas on behalf of Boot Hill Resort and Casino. Um, I think we were in, we were analyzing, if I remember, right after, I think it was the Arizona game. I mean, it, we've just played two games in four days and like my brain's <laughs> mush and like I was not prepared for a Thursday night primetime football game against that football team. That's another story. But I, I remember we were talking, I think it was after the Cardinals game. And we were looking at the snap counts and we were kind of, I, I think there was some really cool visual kind of snap count representations that are out there now too. Doing lots of good work out there. Lots of yeah. people doing lots of good work. Yep. Yeah. Whoever's doing that. I, I wish I could shout you out and give you. Shout good. out Joseph Hefe on Twitter. And he, he's he's doing awesome. Wonderful. Shout out Joseph Hefe. Um, so um, I, I looked at the, you, you looked at the, you looked at the snap counts, right? And you see Leo, Leo Chanel. And I think we basically, we were having the conversation in the DMs and it's like Leo Chanel played in the base and then didn't play <laughs> Mike or Will basically the rest of the game until the, the game was well out of hand. So, like, they they put Leo Chanel at the Sam and then just kind of bypassed him for the rest of the game in any other looks, Greg. Is that about what we kind of surmised? That is that is exactly what happened with him. We saw him basically come in after Elijah Lee. Elijah Lee was the first guy that was replacing Willie Gay. Willie had to step out for a snap during the game when it was a little bit closer and the starters were still playing. Elijah Lee filled in directly there. But when it went to the second team, it was Darius Harris at the mic and it was Elijah Lee at the will when they were playing there in the nickel or the buck as they like to call it in the Buffalo. It's the same position there. Elijah Lee got a, a, a drive that he got to be out there on the field. It might have been two drives Again, we had another game between now and then, but then it was there at the end of the game that Leo Chanel was able to get in as the will. So he's very clearly right now competing for that will position as the backup to that. So I think we're going to see Elijah Lee. That way, Leo Chanel can kind of stay and keep the Sam reps on his plate. They're very clearly leading him into those Sam reps, not trying to put too much on his plate for those specific reps there, but they do like to swap those outside linebackers a little bit. This is kind of similar to what we saw with Willie in his rookie season as well. Played in the base a lot, didn't play in the nickel a ton. We didn't really see a lot of reps there. We were clamoring at that time because Damian Wilson was playing in the, in the nickel there. And it was like, Hey, put the, put the super athletic guy on the field. 
they don't like to be in that nickel with a rookie linebacker in there with the exception of Nick Bolton. He's the only guy that they've really trusted to do that. So I do expect that it's going to be Elijah Lee stepping in there. Leo Chanel is going to be your base Sam still. There's still going to be plenty of reps for him there, but I don't expect that this is now going to be a big uptick in Leo Chanel snaps. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that Elijah Lee is going to get that coverage linebacker role. I think that's the last thing that Leo Chanel right now has shown that he's ready for. And mm -hmm. going back to these snap counts that we're talking about are the same thing that Chief showed you in preseason. Chanel took over the starting Sam role, then didn't get back on the field until they got to the third string linebackers. He didn't come back out there to play Mike until they got to the third string. So I would not anticipate him jumping into the will. I would not anticipate him jumping into your garden variety nickel. Now, I did want to ask Craig, though, do we mm -hmm. think there's a chance in some of these bigger nickel packages on rundowns where they go in the nickel, do you think you could get Chanel and Bolton together? Because Elijah Lee's a smaller linebacker. He's also not the most athletic. I'd say Chanel has clearly the size advantage and the athleticism advantage. If you are anticipating run on a second and five and you're going in nickel, do you think we'll see some Bolton plus Chanel combinations or do you think it will always be Elijah Lee in the nickel unless there's an injury? I think maybe towards the end of the four games, we might see a, a little bit more of the Chanel in, in the nickel, maybe. I think in those scenarios, you might see what we've seen out of some of these rookie linebackers when they've been in some of those scenarios. He's going to be blitzing. Like they're they're not gonna they're not gonna stand back there and say, hey, drop to this coverage zone, pick this guy up coming across, you know, pass this guy off at this depth. He's struggling with that a little bit, or at least was during the preseason. So set him on the field and blitz him in those scenarios. That's a fine thing for them to do. And you can especially run blitz him between the A gaps and have Nick Bolton kind of clean up off of him. I can definitely see a usage for him at the second level there, but I don't think that it's going to be immediate. Again, it, Steve Spagnolo, for everything that he has done with all of these rookies in the secondary, at that second level especially, Especially, he does not like to play rookies. It's just a lot that he asks those guys to do, a lot that he puts on the linebacker's plate. And especially, here's another thing. We're, we're just going to bring this up now. Now's the logical time. The way that they've used that Will spot so far this year has been different than they have in previous years. Willie's kicking far out over the number two. He's, he's playing more of like an overhang with outside leverage. He's playing more as a slot defender than we've seen him typically or any of the linebackers typically under Steve Spagnuolo in Kansas City. Most of the time they're playing between the tackles, you know, farthest out that he's going is maybe stacking head up with the defensive end on the edge if he's not on the line of scrimmage, you know, at the second level there. But we are seeing him kick all the way out into the slot in the nickel against tight ends, against you know slot receivers. That's what we've seen so far. That's a lot for a rookie to be on their plate. He's playing as a true apex defender out there, not a simulated one where they had a safety kind of kicking down and playing that as we saw in years past. He was playing as a true apex defender and filling throwing lanes from there. That's not something that you're just going to turn to a rookie who didn't really do that in his collegiate career and spin around and say, hey, buddy, guess what? You're getting out there and you're going to cover the slot. And oh, by the way, Devontae Adams is in the slot right now. <laughs> Good luck. Have fun with that. You know, you're not going to do that to the guy. You're going to put somebody that's been in the league a little bit more, understands his coverage leverage a little bit more in Elijah Lee, and he's going to be able to do that on passing downs. Uh, one thing really quick before we move on from Willie Gay, and I was 
probably going to bring this up tonight because we, you know, we were probably going to talk about some things that you know we saw and rewatching the game and some of that stuff. I was willing, and I am still willing to live with some of the you know missed tackles that we've seen a little bit from him to this point, just because the way in which he is flying around the field with confidence, I think trumps some of the completing and bringing down plays. Now I want him to get better. I want him to improve tackling, but I do think that there's not a ton of guys that change the line of scrimmage very often in the second level of the chiefs defense. I don't think Mm -hmm. historically, I feel like there's always plays, you know, I, I don't think that the, the negative play factor is not something that I think has always been as consistent when you look at the back seven. And I love to see him flying around and making some of these plays or, you know, really disrupting, you know, the timing and, and plays of these offense, because there's just some, there's some legit, you know, juice and, and, and quick play ID reason, you know, it's, it's better. He's just no, he's markably better. And, and, and I just, you know, yeah, obviously he needs to, he needs to bring some plays down, but like, kind of want to I I liked what I was seeing out of him I felt I'm feeling good about the confidence that he's playing with and I think you know he, he feels like he's got kind of a you know safety net a little bit with with Bolton too all that chemistry but that's just yeah that was something I wanted to say about Willie Gay it's kind of disappointing well, we're not good to see more for a while and I think so this is the big thing I think if you have a lot of people that haven't paid attention to Willie Gay or they haven't watched every Chiefs game they're gonna go figure out where they can find stats and see what they say and they are bad he's had 17 targets this year for 16 catches, according to PFF. And I don't even know if that's wrong because the Chiefs have played so much zone in which they are throwing the ball underneath. And he just happens to be the closest guy because he's the only guy that can run on that in that area of the field. Like He's the fastest guy, so he's the first one there. I'm not saying that he's covering bad. It's just you go look at the stats, they're bad. You look at the missed tackles, they're bad. The yards given up, pretty bad. His PFF grade for, you know, take it with a grain of salt or for whatever value you put into it, is really bad, but you watch this Chiefs defense. Number 50 is everywhere. Like he's doing everywhere. things that nobody else on this defense can. A lot of these run plays that people are highlighting other defensive linemen for making great plays. Yes, yes, they are. Willie Gay's resetting the line of scrimmage on a lot of these. He's not always making the play, but he's pushing a tight end or a tackle into the backfield and forcing a runner to change direction. You look at some of these throwback screens, some of these trick plays. There's one guy that's going over there to chase it down. And yeah. He might be missing the tackle, but without him there or somebody getting there slower, you don't miss a tackle. You just give up a huge place. Like, I think you're going to see a huge step back in the Chiefs defensive, just overall speed. I think the whole defensive team speed is going to look a lot slower without them out there. I don't think that Elijah Lee and Nick Bolton are going to be able to replicate that. I don't think Brian Cook right now, if he steps into some of these roles for coverage, is going to be able to replicate that. Defense is going to look slower for the next four weeks. Mm-hmm. They really are. That's going to be the biggest change. And I'm interested to see how Steve Spagnuolo adapts because like Craig said, Willie's playing slot. He's up to 20 snaps almost playing as a slot defender. As a slot defender, as a linebacker, and this is against receivers, tight ends, whoever, that's a lot. And he still has so much range from there. So like we could probably talk about Willie Gay all day. It's like we don't need oh, to here, but we he's could. definitely, his, his loss I think is going to be felt and no more than just the speed on the field is about to take a significant step back. I do. Before I toss it to you, Ken, I do want to throw this out Uh-oh. there. Nick Bolton's stop on third down. It was a, it was a gain of zero uh, from the Thursday night game. I think everybody remembers right there at the end. Yeah. Nick Bolton plays that very, very well. Willie Gay drives Rayshon Slater three or four yards into the backfield and Justin Reed sets the edge off of a blocking mm-hmm. tight end. Those two made the play. Now, Nick Bolton does an 
awesome job reading it, stuffing him in the hole. You know, all kudos to him. But it's made by Willie Gay taking one of the best left tackles in the league for a ride and resetting the line of scrimmage. So yeah, it's happening often. It's happening out of you know out of frame and stuff like that. We're going to talk about that, Mike and DJ, and I got to talk about that later this week. But it's uh, I mean. He's been so fun to watch. I'm going to miss him for the next four. You're going to notice his absence. You're also probably noticing that there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local store. Well, it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is the water called liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst in their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Go get liquid death at your local Woodman, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find a liquid death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. That's liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. BJ just sent me or sent us a picture uh, of him drinking uh, liquid death. Uh, he... There's been a murder. It's uh, it's BJ Kissel's thirst. Uh, yeah, I think I have to retire after that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. All right, let's talk a little bit about that Chiefs Chargers game. There's been a little bit of let's time since you know we've you know we've got to watch a little bit more. We've got to see a little bit more different perspectives, views. Um, first thing that kind of first big takeaway you had, Matthew. Okay, so. When I watch a football game, my process, I think, is a lot different than a lot of other people's. If you watch our post-game shows, I usually am coming probably across as the most negative person about the thing in the least happy. What? And this, this is true. Because in the moment, I am very excited or disappointed based on the instant reaction. And when I have a moment to think about it, like to go in directly to a post-game show, all I do is think about the future ramifications over what's happening. And watching that game, all I see is red flag after red flag of how the offense couldn't do anything except for him a couple explosive plays and a couple times they were on busted coverages. The offensive line couldn't cover anybody. The run game was 150 yard run and a bunch of nothing. The defense played overall well, but it was only for a half. The first half, they kind of lucked out on Brandon Staley being a coward. So like that's was my tone coming out of the postgame show. I have gone back and rewatched now. And now, as traditionally goes, I am now a lot more excited about what I saw because I think a lot of the issues that the Chiefs had offensively, at least, are things that can be fixed. Protection specifically, the protection got better in the second half because, it, just to be frank, the Chargers did a great job gaming up the Chiefs' pass protection, and they had them spinning in circles, blocking air. Literally spinning. Half, Literal spinning at times. Then you get to the second half of the game, and all of a sudden, some of those same looks, the Chargers backed off of some of those, you know, mugging the gaps and some of the sim pressure looks. But even when they did, the Chiefs handled it so much better in the second half. It wasn't just the quick game. They just handled it better. So, like, that was just one area of, like, okay, immediately after the game, I thought it was a cause for concern because of how bad it was. But you go back and rewatch, and you see the Chiefs adjust and how they started adjusting by – having the running back pick up a linebacker on the interior versus picking up a defensive end on the outside. And just that simple change made everything flow a lot better. So just, I feel better about the offense than I did leaving the game. I think the Chargers had a good game plan. I think the Chiefs did not have a good one, but they were still able to adjust just enough. And a few of the things didn't go their way were close. So it's just, 
it went from bad to good. And now I feel even better about it, you know, as we've gotten a couple days away and a chance to rewatch. Yeah, I'd, I'd mostly agree with that. I'd, I want to see a little more separation from some of these wide receivers. I mean, this is this is a good defense. Patrick didn't have a ton of time, and he was clearly off his game. But I want to see a little more separation from MVS, from Juju. I want to see more Sky Moore. I mean, obviously, we barely have seen Sky Moore to date here. But I just want to see uh, these guys be able to create a little more space than we saw. Right now, I mean, Travis Kelsey was the only guy, once again, that was kind of getting open, which goes back to some of the things that we've seen when the offense has struggled, in, you know, at times to create, to get open, to really be effective for large sections of the game. It's seeing this lack of separation, just a little bit of flashbacks, a little bit of looking at that and going, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. I hope that they're going to clean some of this up. I mean, again, it's going to be, a work in progress. I think this is what we kind of expected, maybe a little better than what they saw in the what we saw in the Chargers game. I think this is what we maybe expected in the early going here from such a new offense with all these new pieces. It's just that Cardinals game got us all excited, come crashing back down to earth a little bit with the Chargers game, and the real truth is somewhere in between. I just wish we could see a couple more reps with guys getting a little more open than we saw. Speaking of Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> lol mm. readers um no. yeah I, I everything i think was a tick off just like and like i there's probably a little bit of crediting the chargers for that um too uh didn't love the game plan entirely like there's some you know like they, i think they were really they were trying to, a lot of floods they're trying to flood a lot of zones you know it was a lot of half field stuff honestly kind of everything was flowing to one side of the field throughout the game um and i mean it didn't work great i i mean i was i was looking at some of those plays that they had you know just got last night even and yeah i mean some of that some of those concepts didn't work they did have something kind of cooking though they ran this kind of flood play they had travis kelsey though break out opposite that flood mm -hmm. he was he would have been wide open mahomes actually missed him so like when i say everything everything's a tick off i think mahomes was a tick off i think play calling was a tick off um it just everything was just not the what we've become accustomed to now they, they they slogged it out you know they fought through it and they you know they they put enough points on the board they still put what the offense put 20 points on the board is that right uh so you know they they, they still they they got some big explosive plays when they needed to i think the play call I, I wrote about the play call on on watson's on watson's uh touchdown it's actually, it was a third and 10. It actually was kind of like their, it was a playoff, their base sticks concept. So it looked like they were playing their typical sticks play, you know, where the running, the receivers kind of get to the sticks and sit in zone and Mahomes kind of tries to figure it out. And they ran a double move off right at the sticks, right at where that, that, that play, you know, right, right where they typically break that route off. Right. And so it was just really good play design. It's like, it wasn't like, barren of good things to maddie's point like there were still things and still positive things to take away from that game um but it definitely it looked more like it like craig said it looked like more what you expected you know uh, a, a new offense coming together the cardinals game was fool's gold it was fun but it was fun fool's gold is i think is kind of how i feel and i think it probably will be a little bit more challenging as this team grows and gets you know i don't want to get too overhyped about what we saw in arizona now well, I think Craig touched on it. One of the biggest issues that they're having I, to me is we all love the Chiefs going into this heavier personnel and putting these tight ends on the field, but 
when you put a Noah Gray or a Jody Fortson out there with a Travis Kelsey and an MVS or like, you know, whatever combination of these big bodies you have, that's a lot of dudes that can be locked up by a corner back in yeah. coverage. That's just a lot of guys that are easy to cover by just average cover guys that just happen to have a little bit of size. And even for the chiefs, Mahomes isn't the kind of quarterback that is going to throw contested catch after contested catch opportunity. So it doesn't matter that Fortson might have four inches on a cornerback. If the cornerbacks in the right spot, Andy and Mahomes aren't really trying to push that ball into that spot over and over again. So I think an issue the chiefs have, to, they're slow on offense all of a sudden. Yes, McCole Hardman's fast, but they're a relatively slow offense. When you put your two starting receivers out there, MVS, who I understand can run fast, but just watch them accelerate. It's not the same kind of fast the Chiefs have had in the past. It's a buildup. It's a yeah. buildup. It's not explosive. Yeah. Good vertical receiver, but yeah, he's not turning a slant into a huge gain unless there's a runway already present present for him. And then Juju Smith-Schuster isn't a fast guy. Kelsey in his older age, he's clearly lost a step just in terms of raw acceleration. Doesn't mean he's not great. But he's lost a step. And now all of a sudden, the only speed on this team is McCole Hardman. And he's the only guy you're, or Justin Watson, when you put him out there. But it's just such a limited amount of speed. And I think you saw the Chargers, all they did, anytime Juju or MVS was backside of any kind of play, they just said, nope, that's man on man. And we are leaving that away. And we are putting the safety. He is going to rob from the backside. He is going to play the trips opposite. And we are going to have way too many guys that can drive on anything that crosses. We're going to have a top over the front side of every single play because they did not respect Juju and MVS and anybody to do anything backside. That's an issue. They're going to have to come up with a solution to beat man coverage, especially when teams come out and try to match routes and they play from proper leverage. There's just not that. Now, Juju was open a couple times over the middle. It would have to be quick timing passes. We're not talking big plays. We're just talking picking up seven, eight yards at a time, and the Chiefs will have to do that. But they will need some kind of answer for man coverage again because I don't think they have it right now. I don't think with this receiving group, if you're only going to put McCole Hardman out there half the time, I don't know if you have an easy answer the way they've had in the past because you don't have that many matchup dis- or advantages that Mahomes and Andy Reid want. I mean, and we went from the ultimate matchup disadvantage. You know, you n- you're never going to play, you know, single coverage man on man against a guy like Tyree Kill. Right. And obviously, even with Travis Kelsey, for whatever it is, he still is able to shake guys. Like, it, he's still able to create that separation and get open. It's just the rest of it. Like, you, you need dudes. And you need dudes that can go out there and win that. Now, that being said, they are scheming some stuff up. We do see some stuff that is coming open there. It's not like Andy's just sitting back there and being like, well, you guys go win. No, he knows it. You know, he's not just sitting there going, yeah, we're, we're going to put the bad corner on this guy and oh, he can't run away from him. So I guess we're screwed. No, he's scheming stuff up. It's just very hard to do when your offensive line, especially your tackles are playing a little bit shaky and you're going up against Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. Like you, you got to get the ball out fast. It disrupts everything. I am very curious to see, not necessarily the Colts this week, because my goodness, I mean, we'll get to them, but they're bad. But oh, we'll get get to to Bucks. Yeah, once we get to the Bucks, once we get to the Bills, even the Raiders a little bit. I'm curious to see because they got some guys that can heat up the edges a little bit better. The guys can get home a little bit quicker. That's going to be more normal than maybe what we saw against the Chargers, where you just got two guys that are ridiculous and then an all pro and Derwin James playing like an all pro in the middle of the field. It just takes away a lot of what you can do when you're trying to scheme some of that stuff up. So, yes, it is concern. I know I just said that I'm concerned about them not getting open, but I'm also carrying that with a giant grain of salt into the next couple of weeks. 
Okay, here's my next question. How concerned are you about the cornerback position, Matthew? Oh, we're, we're jumping off the offense. Okay. Um, how concerned about the cornerback? Yeah, uh, fairly, because Rashad Fenton still starts, and he's going to play a lot of reps. And I am always going to be concerned when Rashad Fenton is a starter that doesn't have a direct, doesn't have a deserving direct challenger right now. I like Joshua Williams' prospect as being a good NFL player as anybody else. I don't think that he's ready to push Rashad Fenton for a starting role right now. And as long as Trent McDuffie's hurt and then working back from injury, I think Jalen Watson's proven that he can go out there and play at least at an adequate, if not better level right now. But then you still got Fenton on the other side. And I think Rashad Fenton right now, it's there's some good plays. You like some stuff. If I could just play cover two and just have him sit in the flat and come hit guys and be physical all game long, we're in business. Maybe maybe the Colts, can we can trade for him. Maybe they have something that the Chiefs could use. But no, 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 if that's... No, no, Gus Bradley's the coordinator over there. They don't need cover two anymore. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot. They're out on the cover two game. Uh, so I, yeah, wonder Rashad, what, I wonder if that's part of their problem. But yeah, it's just... I think Rashad Fenton's relatively limited in what you can do. I think he does always need some help over the top or he's going to give up way too much cushion underneath. So that's always going to make me worried. And then across from him, you now have a rookie that is playing very well, but he's still a rookie. So there's going to come a bad game. There's going to come multiple bad games as a rookie. And then what do you do when you don't really have any answers on the outside? Okay. So we're, we're going to get a little bit nerdy here. Um, uh, the way that the Chiefs played at the beginning of the year with Trent McDuffie on the field and Rashad Fenton on the field as well was drastically different how they are playing right now. There was a lot oh, yeah. more man coverage reps. There was a lot more single high stuff. There was a lot more evolution. Like they were throwing a bunch of stuff at Kyler Murray early in that game. They were throwing a bunch of different coverages, different rotations, things like that. And we got to see that. And this is kind of, you know, to the point that we all made earlier this season Steve Spagnuolo was ready to go with what Trent McDuffie can do. The coverage book is wide open with a guy that can do everything the way that Trent McDuffie can do and be glued to guys the way that Trent McDuffie can be. Now, all of a sudden, he gets hurt. When he gets hurt, it's no longer Legereus Sneed and Trent McDuffie in the base. Now it is Legereus Sneed and Rashad Fenton in the base with Jalen Watson coming in there. Now the trust level for everything has really gotten pretty shaky here. We're no longer running some of this single high stuff. We're no, no longer trusting that these guys can run a whole bunch of one robber and that everybody's going to be in the back pocket for everybody. We're not trusting that we're going to match on some of these cover three looks and be able to drive on everything underneath. No, now we're playing a lot of static cover two. And a lot of static cover too, maybe with a meg attachment to it, a man everywhere he goes like they did to try and take away Mike Williams there throughout the game. They knew that Justin Herbert was trying to peel off and hit Mike Williams early in the rep, and they were kind of bracketing him a little bit, and they would just basically have one guy play meg on Mike Williams, and then they'd play cover two across the board. So it's something that we look at here and look at how basic the coverage got just in that short amount of time. Now, I understand it was four days. Your Trent McDuffie got hurt. It was four days, and you had to install a full game plan for a rookie corner that you're trying to protect and a guy in Rashad Fenton who isn't playing very well at the catch point right now, especially against a guy like Mike Williams. So you really had to install a basic thing. I wonder if while Trent McDuffie is out, we are going to see just very 
vanilla coverage schemes, which is very anti-SPACs, and especially with Willie Gay out, now you've lost one of your apexes, an extremely vanilla coverage scheme with those guys on the outside just trying to protect everybody underneath. You're going to see a lot of Juan Thornhill, a lot of Justin Reed deep, and just try and box everything in, allow a whole bunch of stuff kind of in some of these spaces. So I'm prepared to be sitting here three weeks from now talking about how the cornerback play doesn't look good, how the the coverage scheme doesn't look good, and it's going to be mostly because I think it's going to be very, very vanilla with all these new faces in it. And I'm sorry. Oh, Maddie, you go. You go. You've got something else. I can tell on your face. Uh, I was just going to ask Craig if he <laughs> thought that this was a Justin Herbert Chargers game plan or if he thinks this is what we are going to see going forward. I know this is impossible to answer because <laughs> he touched on the issues, right? You're coming out on four days rest and you were playing an entirely different style of team. And now you're incorporating another player that you're is going to play 75% plus of your snaps in mm-hmm. a situation where it's going to be high leverage. So like at what point do we think that is a specific game plan versus what he can or can't do, you know, at this point in time, because I think we all talked about it leading up to this game realistically the chargers are a pretty decent matchup for Watson. They don't have speed to stress him vertically. It's a bunch of size. There's a bunch of guys that he should be able to match and contend and play physical with. So you would almost think if there was ever a matchup just to say, okay, we can at least survive with him in man coverage. This might be the one. Yeah. I mean, I, I I can see that being the case. And honestly, with the depth of target that Justin Herbert's thrown out there, sitting back and playing a little bit of static cover two and just letting everything develop underneath. I mean, that's not the worst idea in the world. I'm just very curious if that I'm with you. Is that a charger specific game plan or is it something that we're going to see a little bit different because man, they got, they got Mike Evans on the horizon. They got you know Chris Godwin on the horizon. They got Devonte Adams. They got well, we'll see. Diggs. We'll see. Or is it to protect Rashad Fenton? I mean, I, who knows? They who know, they were they weren't being that vanilla with Rashad in the nickel. To be fair, you know they they weren't being that vanilla with him. So I do think it's related to the rookie. But yeah, they got a lot of a lot of really good receivers coming up here that can really torch some of these guys if they're going to play vanilla. Awesome. Just, <laughs> Just uh, listen. Hate to be the let's talk no, about the defensive I, line. They're they're great. <laughs> How about that? That. <laughs> The defensive line, yeah, I, I, we did need to get in there because I think the defensive line played really, really, really well, especially Chris Jones. I think I heard on the broadcast at one point, like in the middle of the third quarter, someone made the comment like, uh, it's been a quiet night for Chris Jones so far, but he's really coming on strong. I was like, huh? I, <laughs> what? I think Chris Jones had a great game. I think it was. I think he was impactful pretty early and often. Like I, I was kind of surprised by the way it was framed. I was like, that doesn't check out to me. Uh, I thought. I thought Chris Jones. I mean, Chris Jones' start's been very, very good. But this team really needed uh, Pete Chris Jones, and they got Pete Chris Jones, and it was uh, disruptive in a massive, massive football game, Maddie. So I agree with the comment. I thought Chris Jones was actually getting handled by Zion Johnson a lot. Well, in that game. yeah, and he was getting when they a lot moved of him to Matt Filer. He dominated no, him, though. No, he did. He, but that was. But I thought to Kent's point, I thought he said in the second half was when that comment was made, and I agree. Chris Jones completely took over that game, and from the third quarter on, he was unstoppable. Run, pass, whatever it may be. But I thought in the first half, there was multiple times where he got one on one with a rookie left, right guard, and kind of just got stuck. He kept trying to. Do, 
and okay, it's speaking of nerdy, it's matchup stuff, right? So you're going up mm-hmm. against Zion Johnson, who isn't the the tallest, isn't the longest off interior offensive lineman. Chris Jones is a very tall, long defensive lineman. He sees one on one against a rookie. He goes and throws one of his exceptional swim moves or arm over moves and tries to use his lateral agility to beat him. The problem is Zion Johnson is so strong that he got beat. He got his hands beat, but he was so strong he was able to just collect get a hold of Chris Jones rib cage and then just drive him around from there and then never let go. And Chris could not do anything about it. And rather than let Chris Jones try to fight through it and figure out a better way to attack him as the game went on, they just said, eh, we'll just move him and go take on the starter across from him and completely destroy him. It's just, I agree kind of that. I thought Chris had a couple of opportunities where you would anticipate your Joey Bosa level player who Joey Bosa was freaking phenomenal in that oh game. You expected yeah. Chris Jones to show up the same way Bosa did all game long. And I just, I don't think it happened until the second half. I will say I, I felt like the, the needle moved a little bit in the run game with him towards the end of the first half. That's, that's kind of where I was just like, Oh, okay. You know, this is, uh, this is good. This is okay. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm there. The, the, I mean, it's it's a forklift. It's an up and over. It's whatever you want to call it. What he did by you know replacing the elbow with underneath with Filer there on his first sack. I mean, that was exceptional. I mean, he Justin Herbert wasn't at the top of his drop, and Chris Jones was in his lap. Like it, it was over right then and there. And then he just kept making plays after that. Swatted down another pass. He had another sack later in the game. I mean, like that's the player that you expect to get. I mean, you know, we, we talk about all the time. It's like, you know, trying to pay guys and trying to make sure that you're getting what you're paying for guys that you got so far this season. And I'm including the, the Arizona Cardinals game. You have gotten every penny out of Chris Jones that you have paid him and more. Honestly, the, the pressures that he brought in the Cardinals game were ludicrous. He turns around, they put him in a good position and he lines up and he is just exceptional against the Chargers. I know a lot of people are going to say that contract year is undefeated, you know, RIP Therese there, but I'm wondering, seeing the interaction, seeing that, I don't know if you guys saw the video late yesterday, of Joe Cullen and him interacting on the sideline. It was really good to see. Joe Cullen is Chris Jones's biggest hype man, and that's hard to beat because there's a lot of people on that defensive line that are massive Chris Jones hype men. Joe Cullen was going insane, just screaming. I knew you were going to hit it. I knew you were going to, you know, like the, it seems like maybe, and this isn't a slight on Brendan Daly, but it seems like maybe the, the way that Joe Cullen coaches is tailor made for the way that Chris Jones responds to things. And maybe it's just the approach, you know, Hey, this guy is susceptible to this. So hit this, when you feel this, hit this immediately and do this. And maybe, maybe that's getting home to Chris more because he's winning quicker He's winning more often, and that's hard to say for a guy that is a legitimate all-pro candidate. You know, most years that he's in the league, he's arguably the second-best defensive tackle in the league, and we're seeing him at an even higher level right now. And so I wonder if this is – we're feeling the Joe Cullen effect already on the interior for Chris Jones, and you're just seeing that on the field immediately. Um, One thought, and not not the most positive way, I think the second team – interior defensive line run defense is a little bit rough and i think teams are kind of playing on that a little bit like i think when it's turk wharton and it's colin saunders they're running the football a little more intentionally um it hasn't been the prettiest so derek derek Dottie is uh you you the real mvp 
Uh, thanks everybody watching right now. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, uh, leave a comment, tell us what you thought about the Chiefs game. Uh, it's been, you know, it got a lot of people watching right now. Appreciate everybody. Um, that's that's great. Just so you guys know, it K, uh, KCSN update is going to be posting at nine o'clock tonight as well. So here in about fifteen minutes, the debut for KCSN update is going to be hitting. So um, you can I, you, you make sure you check that out. One, it's gonna, it's going to be a good one, uh, good one today. Um, closing thoughts, or can you you want to kind of move on? Maybe do some closing thoughts from each of us. Just one comment, you know, one more thing that we haven't talked about this game that you wanted to make sure you profiled. Sure. What do you have, Kent? Oh, I was gonna ask you, Maddie. <laughs> no, you uh, go first, buddy. Sure. It's and not the you anybody. Know, real quick, while we do these, people in the comment section, if you have any burning questions about the game, throw them in, and we will answer them quickly before we get out of here. So start throwing them in there if you need to, and we'll get we'll get to those here in one second. Rapid fire. Yeah. Okay. So I think there were low lights for the entirety of the offensive line at different points throughout the game. And that was kind of surprising and kind of interesting to see, because I don't think we've had that kind of, you know, uh, I don't know if it's ever been, you know, that rough that many times across the entirety of the offensive line. I mean, every guy has, has something on tape. They probably didn't like to see And That's just not, you know, not what we became accustomed to last year. Um, but even like, especially on the the interior, I think the interior had a pretty rough game. I know like the 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 edge rushers were obviously, um, you know, were, were a big concern, and the, you know the the left tackle or the tackles were obviously a little bit of concern. But um, I think the I think the interior offensive line had had their struggles as well, trying to help, maybe even help a little bit with that with that edge group. For me, I think it was just the general run game. The Chiefs are really close to breaking a lot of big run plays. And I think if a couple of those broke loose at the start of the game, you would have seen them run the ball a lot more because they clearly came out and tried to do it. Joey Bosa by himself blew up three run plays that the Chiefs had him blocked up. They had it drawn up perfectly. Joey Bosa blew up Trey Smith one play, who did not have a good game. Uh, he blew up Michael Burton one play. And then another time he just was able to slip around a block. And like all three of these stopped a play that otherwise was blocked up really well from being at least five, 10 yards more on every single one. Derwin James made a couple really nice plays versus the run. So I think the Chiefs were really close, I think, to actually going into a little bit more of a run heavy attack. But in typical Andy Reid fashion, you get five, six, seven runs into the game. And all of a sudden you don't have that many yards off of them you start to take the foot off the gas in the run play. And that's just Andy Reid. I can't blame them because they weren't actually working, but they were so close. So I do think there is a little bit of hope for this run game. And one big thing that's going to help Blake Bell when he gets back, boy, having not Noah Gray or Jody Fortson <laughs> or even Travis Kelsey trying to pull off some of these blocks they needed from a tight end is going to go a long way because those three tight ends missed a lot of blocks. It would have helped that I think Blake Bell at least helps in a, a couple of them. So I think there is more help for the run game for those of you that want to see the Chiefs do more. I do think it is coming because they were close, and I think they're missing one of their better accessory blockers. Yeah, and Derwin James saved, saved a touchdown as well. Like, I mean, like, it, yeah. in the run game. Like, it, my goodness. Derwin's flying from G the backside of a play to, yeah. They're, they're that close. I I'm, I want to see the run game over the next couple of weeks. They're that close. But mine is going to be real quick. Uh, watching Carlos Dunlap and Mike Dana alternate playing three tech right now. Uh, it's not Turk Wharton as much. It, it, I say three tech. It, Carlos Dunlap spent several snaps in Arizona playing nose tackle for, you know, in, in some lighter, obvious passing down situations. But 
they're moving those guys into three techs more. So what Kent's saying, you know, about some of the interior, some of the backup guys and all that, if you're not playing the run particularly well, and when you're getting into some of those obvious passing situations or even, you know, second and long-ish where they could run and you're being replaced on the interior by Mike Dana, by Carlos Dunlap, so they can get more defensive ends on the field. I mean, it makes you wonder why they're carrying so many defensive linemen, uh, interior defensive linemen right now. I'm curious to see if there's going to be a shift in some games going forward because Kando and Herring have both been inactive both games so far. Um, let's take a few questions before we uh, get out of here. Uh, we'll just we'll just run through a few before we dip out. Um, Jackie Moon, who gets called up first, Danny Shelton or Taylor Stallworth? D- d- give me Danny Shelton for kind of some of the reasons that uh, you know I talked about earlier. Or we talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, Will McCutcheon uh, asks, uh, and I'll ask you, Maddie. Brian Cook in the doghouse for the penalties on special teams. What do you think? I don't know if he's in the doghouse for the special teams penalties, but I think he is the, we're bringing him along slowly because he's a rookie house right now. And I don't think they fully trust him yet. And those special teams penalties certainly won't help. Although, you know, one of them was pretty soft. Let's be real. Uh, Craig, I want to ask you this one. Uh, Chiefer, is George better than Frank already? Man, George, George is better pass rushing right now than frank is frank's an exceptional run defender still i know that everybody's gonna roll their eyes terribly at that. i get it I, I, I totally get it he still George makes a couple more. every game though he does, does. he really does still but George got it more of an impact against the pass clearly right sure. um okay so i got this one morgan c why do you think sky Moore didn't get into the game i so here's the thing i'm racking my brain a little bit because what we saw at a sky Moore in week one was really good He's been consistent and steady and solid on special teams performing. He's made some nice returns. I feel like that's a guy you want to put the ball in his hands a little bit. I don't understand why he hasn't been able to to scratch, you know, you know, to, to scratch the lineup. But think about it. Justin Watson got in, saw more snaps and more opportunities than Sky Moore did on offense. And like I just I don't know. I found that a little bit interesting. I don't know. Um all right, so Grayson asks uh, our guy, can Clyde maintain his play from the first two games? Matthew. Well, Grayson, Grayson, you should check out the KCSN.substack tomorrow <laughs> because we are writing, well, I am writing about Clyde Redzielaire. But uh, to make it quick, yes, I think it's only going to get better. I think Clyde's still a little inconsistent behind this offensive line. There's some stuff he does in the run game that's working, but there's also some small attention to detail mistakes that he's still making that are making good runs or making potentially great runs only good making you know potentially good runs only fine he's leaving a little extra yardage out there but he is running better and i think the chiefs are running a running offense that's more uh fit to what he does well so i think it will get better from where it is right now but there's definitely some room to improve still joshua burton craig how did you guys like the dunlap role I, I mean, I love the Dunlap role. I love seeing the Dunlap role, especially when he makes a play. The one that I didn't get is we saw the Dunlap role after like an eight-yard run early in the game, and he did it. And I was like, well, what are we doing here? Like, I, I'm all on board with him after a sack, but it was a little early, a little premature for that one. In 10 minutes, KCSN update posts to this channel. It's a really good one. Make sure you're checking this out, everybody that's been watching this. Make sure you hit the subscribe button, too. You can make sure you're getting all of this content that we've got posting all the time. 17 chief shows during the week here at KC Sports Network. It's a lot of fun here. We've been getting a lot of stuff uh, out to y'all 
Uh, thank you for everybody that's watched uh, tonight. Thank you to everybody that's listening or will be listening. We appreciate you and we'll catch you later.